My name is CJ. I'm the student ministries director here at Fox Valley Church. It's great to be with you uh, in the last week of our series on community. And I actually didn't know we were going to show that awesome drone footage uh, thing of the work day, but I, but I do want to draw something out really quick. And I appreciate the thank you. I really do. And I'm thankful that, that our church can, can come together and serve on a Saturday. But I do want to make it very clear that uh, that is an expression of the community of believers, right? Like, this is something that we come together and we say, hey, we value not only our church, but our church property. We want to make it presentable. And people coming together to serve, no one got paid except for in muffins and maybe a little coffee, right? Uh, But that's just really a beautiful thing that I believe the church does well. There's a lot of things the church does poorly. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Not a lot of things, but some things the church does poorly. But I love that the church can come together and serve and work and and be a part of the body of Christ and serve that way. So thank you, uh, not just for filling a need, but for being part of the community of believers. So thank you for that for yesterday. Um, Before we dive in, we are going to be doing some texting at the end of this service about the whole series. So not just today. So maybe you've got some questions in your notes from the past two weeks. I'd encourage you, you can text those in during the service. We would love to answer those a little later on. Myself, Pastor Tom, and Adam Vietmeyer are going to come up on stage. I'm really going to emcee it, let the wise people start talking. That's kind of my strategy of the whole thing. Uh, But we're going to dive into some questions and have some dialogue afterwards. Like I said, Uh, We are in the final week of our series, and Tom kicked off this series on a new community, uh, talking about how biblical community is designed, right? It's a really beautiful thing, and it's designed to have this upward focus, to honor God. We've seen this. I love this, by the way. I think Emily designed this. This is great. This is, we should all, I think, have this in our car, in our home, or something like that, especially on the way to church on Sunday morning. But this, this focus to honor and glorify God, right? That's the chief, I would say the chief design of the church, of, of the community of believers, to honor God, right? We know that because our chief design as, as his creation is to honor God with our lives. And so certainly gathering people together in his name is meant to glorify God. And then last week, one of our elders, Adam Vietmeyer, showed us the value of unity and called us to examine how well we love and care for our fellow believers, right? This is so huge. And, and we could spend a lot of our time and energy here. Um, but he did such a great job. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that today. So today we're wrapping this series up examining this third piece, this outward focus of the new community. And before I dive in, I do want to just kind of say something at the beginning, and then we'll get back to it at the end. Um, But at least in my shorter life than some people in the room, but longer life than some in the room, don't get me wrong, and my experience with church is typically what I have found is that churches maybe focus on one or two of these things. Really, they do. They kind of they pigeonhole themselves to say, okay, yeah, we're all going to have this upward focus, but we're going to be really good at the inward, or we're going to be really good at the outward. And oftentimes, it can be hard to do all these things. And, and right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just an observation I have. But it's hard for me to look at something like this and think that shouldn't we strive for all three? Shouldn't we want to have all these things? And we'll talk about that at the end as well. Um, so, the outward focus. Uh, this is something very clear in Jesus' ministry. It's, 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 it's hard to read the Gospels and come away with another conclusion that he cares about focusing outward, right? Um, 
We all know the familiar passage in Matthew 28 and Acts 1, this great commission. But even before that, before the disciples even hear this, to go into all the world and to make disciples, in Luke 10, he gives them an experience. He says, go out right now in pairs of two and go and start telling people about the kingdom of God. Right? So they're, they're kind of learning in this three-year ministry of Jesus what it looks like to be focusing outward. So when Matthew, in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the great commission, this is not new information for them. This is part of Jesus and who he is, right, to focus on the people around you, to bring people in to the kingdom of God. And I just think this is really cool uh, because Jesus, obviously in Matthew 28 and and Acts 21, a lot of people know this, right, that that Jesus' final command is to go into all the world and make disciples, right, to go in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, to bring this outward focus everywhere that you go as a part of who you are. Not only that, but this call has been not only to those believers listening to Jesus in those moments, but also to every believer who's ever lived. And it's, it's, it's so important to the design of the church, right? It's built into it. And I do want to say that again really quickly, because I want you to hear that. There's something really powerful about being knit together with people for 2,000 years that have shared a common bond. And from Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, from that moment on, over all these years, Millions and millions of believers have hopefully been carrying out this same mission. And that's powerful. It, gives, it at least encourages me in the moments where I maybe fail in that. Like I said, it's so clear in Jesus' ministry that he was looking outward. Right? And not just in the words that he says in Luke 10 and Matthew 28, but if you just read the stories of Jesus, he's consistently caring for people that are overlooked. Right? He's consistently seeing the people on the fringes of society, the sick, the lame, the children, like all these people that everyone else is not giving any time. He's, he's turning his attention, his gaze to them, and he brings them in to the fold. And that's something really powerful. So it's so important, right? The reason, I'm, the reason I'm drawing this out so much, I know we all know these things. We've all studied the scripture. We're all incredibly biblical scholars in this room. I'm fully aware of that, but I think it's important, right? It's important because it's important to Jesus. And I want to make it very clear before we move forward. It is huge. The outward focus, the gospel is so important to Jesus. And so that's why it should be important for us in the church for the outward focus of the community of God. All right, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. You've got your Bible. You can turn there. If you're following along at home, you can watch on your screen if you want, or you can turn to your Bible as well. I'd encourage that. I think it's always a very good thing. Again, you'll see the texting number up there on the slides this morning. would encourage you, if you have a question, just jot it down real quick. Send it in, and we'll talk about those a little later. Okay, 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, And he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve after that. He appeared to more than 500 brothers, I'm sorry, more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time this was written, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, before before I persecuted the church of God. 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet now I, but the great, I'm sorry, it's a really small text. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or, or they, I'm having a hard time this morning, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Let me pray real quick. Father, I just pray that you would be here this morning, that you would speak through your word as we talk about something so pressing on your heart and on your mind. God, that you would really speak, that you would reignite this fire inside of us, God, and to see the power of the gospel, to see the power of what it does in our lives. And God, I know for me in my life, it's so easy to talk about it, but to forget what it has meant to me. And so, Father, I pray that every single person in this room, whether they heard the gospel 40 years ago or this is the first time today, or that you would ignite this value, this fire of the truth of your word, that it sets us free and has redeemed us and given us new life. And so, God, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. Would you make us a better church for hearing it, a better church for knowing it? In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, our text presents and explains, at least to me anyway, three, Christ, three questions that I want to walk through this morning. Um, I, I kind of like this. I've, I have a lot of questions. If you guys, if you know me as a person, you know that I like to ask a lot of questions. And when I read scripture, I come away with questions. And so I'm a, this is the way I learn, so I'm going to project that onto you this morning. So I'm sorry if you don't learn that way, but we're going to walk through it. Um, the first question that I, I believe it poses is what is the gospel? Right, and again, I would just, someone encouraged me with this a long, long time ago, and it really, it, it, it's still something I try and strive for today, is that if you've been in church for 40 years or four days, um, that every time you hear the gospel, to try and your best you can to hear it with fresh ears, right, to look at it with fresh eyes, to never get tired of it. And so it's important that we ask ourselves this question. And I'll just say this too, as, as someone who's worked on staff at a church, and even this church, it is a little shocking how many times I've sat across from someone who wants to maybe join youth ministry, and I ask him this question, what is the gospel? If a student asked you what's the gospel, could you explain it? And I'll just say it this way, it's a little damning to, to, to sit across from someone that's been serving and loving the Lord for X amount of years, and yet really can't articulate the gospel very well. And now I'm not saying that to throw everyone under the bus, I'm just saying what often happens is that we hear it the one time, and then we're like, sweet, I did it, I heard it, I received it, it's mine, now I'm good, I can move on to the rest of everything. But see, the problem with that is, it's really ineffectual to be outward focused if I don't know the vehicle with which I'm supposed to drive in this outward focus, right? If I can't articulate and explain and live out this gospel, then I'm not very effective in explaining that to others, right? That makes sense, at least it does to me. And so it's important that we understand this. Verse 3 through 5 says this, right? This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance. I want to stop right there for a second. This is the first importance. Paul has, like literally, in, in the book of Corinthians, the first Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church who can only be described as kind of a hot mess, right? There's a lot of stuff going on, like really weird stuff going on in Corinth at this point. And Paul is saying, out of all these things that I've instructed you, the first and most important thing is this gospel. It's the first and most important thing for us. He goes on, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, Right? That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures as well. This is so powerful. 
And so I just want to take a quick second and remind us of what the gospel is. Right? And, and I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years in ministry and been able to talk to particularly a lot of students. And, and I, I, I love having this conversation, not because I like to show them like, or prove them wrong or anything, but because I think it's really powerful to, to kind of fill in the gaps of, of their, their understanding of the gospel. And what I mean is when I say, what is the gospel, oftentimes they say, Jesus died for my sins. Well, that's true. It's part of it, though. It's part of it. And if, if I may just take a stab at this, if that is our total understanding of the gospel, it's kind of weak, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it, it's a little, it's, it doesn't really do it the justice that it deserves. And I love, Adam spoke at our winter retreat uh, with our students a couple months ago, and he said this again last week, and I thought it was so good. It's like such a perfect picture of what the gospel really is, before I explain it totally. But he explained, he's like, oftentimes we've heard that Jesus rescued us from our sins, and we get this picture of being in a lifeboat, right? Or that Jesus is in this boat, and we're like drowning in the water, that we're just kind of there, like we might have survived a little while longer, and he just came and picked us up. Right? But that's not scriptural. The Bible says that we were dead in our transgressions. And so he paints the picture, Adam painted it, that literally you're like dead, a corpse on the bottom of the ocean. Like you're not drowning, you're not struggling for life, you're not like, oh, help me somebody, right? Like you're dead. And Jesus redeems you, brings you back to life totally. And that's the gospel. But see, if to understand that picture even more, we have to see the beginning or the total picture of it. And that's it, starting the beginning in the garden. That God created everything, that it was perfect, that he created man for himself to enjoy the presence of God and to work alongside him. And because we're so silly, stupid people, right, we fell into sin, rebellion against God. Not just like, oh, a slap on the wrist, but I, I want to hammer that word into your mind, rebellion. We said, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I know better than you. And when I use the words like we, I, I say that because when Adam and Eve sinned, this, this sin starts coursing through their veins. Parents, you know this is true. When your kid lies for the first time, you never taught them to lie. You, they reach for the cookie. They do these things, right? You never taught them how to do that. Sin is just flowing through their body. It's who we are as fallen creatures. And so from Adam and Eve to the newest child that is born right now that just popped out, right? Like, like that child is full, <laughs> okay? That child is full of sin too. We all do. It flows through our veins. And so when we rebelled against God, it broke the separation that God created and intended for us. Because God is holy and God is perfect and he's set apart. And because we are unholy, we cannot be in the presence of God because it would, it would, it would make him unholy. So because of, because of his love for us, he cast Adam and Eve out of the garden and from that moment on, God's plan of restoration, of making it new, begins in that moment. And he knows what the answer is. And the whole Old Testament is filled with, with people trying to, to, to essentially earn their way to God, to follow the rules, to be good enough. But God knew that would never be enough. And so he sends his son, Jesus Christ, the saving one, to the earth, to live and walk among us. And if I may, this is kind of a side note to the gospel, but it's really beautiful because it makes it more powerful that Jesus didn't come down and just hide in the corner of the earth and say, okay, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to avoid everything and then I'm going to die and then it'll be good. No, he got into the nitty gritty, he got into the mess like Adam talked about with us. He loved people, he cared about people and ultimately gave himself up for the forgiveness of our sins because we talked about a couple weeks ago. Communion, right? The shedding of blood is the only way to forgive sin. So Jesus offers himself. And here's where the gospel just gets totally beautiful in my mind. That Jesus 
gives himself up as a, forg- as a payment for our sin, my sin, your sin, all of us in this room's sin, the billions and billions of people who's ever walked this earth for their sin, because his perfect sacrifice was enough. It, it, it fulfilled the, the requirement. Think about that for a second. And if I can put it into to better words, that for, I don't know, thousand, let's just say a thousand years in the Old Testament, people were trying to fulfill. Think about all the sacrifices. Think about all the blood. Think about all the sheep and doves. And all, think about all those things that had to die. And Jesus comes in and fulfills that so that we can be forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. Why? Because if he, he rises from the grave, because death has now been broken. This sin, this sin that, that, that broke this, the, the relationship with God that said, okay, sin, death, pain, all this into the world. When Jesus comes back to life, a may is weighed again. A way is made again. I said that backwards. We can have life and new life, not just in heaven, but now. That we can be born again, raised from the bottom of the sea, from death to life. From here and for eternity. He died for our sins. He resurrected because that means his payment was enough. And he's, he's making a home for us now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's going to come back. And it's going to be a beautiful, glorious day. Now, when we look at this outward focus, when I share that, I'm not saying you have to articulate everything. And I didn't articulate it perfectly. For the record, Tom could have done a way better job than me. But I'm not saying you have to articulate that to everybody. But it's important to understand the weight of that. That we wouldn't be in this room today if it weren't for the gospel. It's so important. It's of first importance. Because to be very clear, the church would not exist if not for the gospel. We would not be in this room We wouldn't be here because Jesus died and made a way for us to have new life. And that is the bedrock of the new community. And the reason that's beautiful is because that bedrock means I don't care if you're a murderer. I don't care if you're a drunk. I don't care if you're an addict. I don't care what you are. Jesus doesn't care what you are because the bedrock is forgiveness of sin. It's grace, it's mercy, it's love. So, that's the gospel. So then the the next question for me is found in verse 10. It's really just kind of a curious thing, or I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. It's it's what message does the world need to hear, right? Because a lot of us in this room, we've heard the gospel, we know the gospel, we understand the gospel, but if we were to have an honest conversation, we would say to ourselves, man, I know the power of it. It, It's meant the world to me. But for some reason, it's like when I talk to people in the world, it's like talking to a brick wall. Like they they start using these really churchy words, and they don't know what I'm saying. Right? So what's the message? What's the thing that people need to hear? Well, I think as I study this passage, I I look at verse 9 and 10. And I, I think Paul writes this. Now, like... One of the most powerful people in the New Testament at this point when he's writing it, he's still, and this is what I love about Paul, every letter he's just like, man, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve his mercy. He's so good. And we see this right here, for I am the least of the apostles. Literally, the dude that wrote like most of the New Testament is saying, I'm the least of these people. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. 
Because I, I was literally killing the church that God designed. This new community we've been talking about, I went out looking for their heads. I was trying to kill them. I was trying to, to destroy God's design. But by the grace of God, and his grace to me was not without effect, that God not only redeemed him, that's what that passage means, let me just read it for you, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. That means two things. It means God restored him, it means God forgave him, <laughs> Christ died for his sins, he's got new life, but then, not only there, but he's begun a journey of transformation, that he's not the same guy. The Holy Spirit is changing his heart and changed it in a powerful way. And so here's what I would say. The message that the world needs to hear is that anyone can be saved, even a Paul, even a CJ. Not only can we be saved, but we can have new life. And so you may be wondering, well, that seems pretty elementary, CJ. seems like that's kind of what I share with people or what I try to share. Um, let me shift it for a second. This outward focus is for the church, right? You guys agree with that statement? We're talking about the new community. We're talking about the body of believers. This outward focus is for the whole thing. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times, the church has not done the best job of this, right? They say, yes, there's grace, there's mercy, there's new life, and you can be forgiven. But maybe there's like, you got to look a certain way first, or you gotta, you got to kind of act our way first, or I want to see you do X, Y, and Z before I believe that you actually have believed in Jesus, right? We say, here's the gospel, but there's a bunch of loopholes that we don't actually talk about, but we expect you to walk through. And I think to myself, people need to hear that. And honestly, that's one of the things I love the most about Fox Valley Church is that on any given Sunday, this room is full of heathens. <laughs> like, like, that sounds funny, but I look and I know you guys, and I've talked to you, and I've gotten to meet you, and I know that some of you guys were literally raised from death to life. Like, you were on death's door, chasing alcohol, women, men, whatever it is, like chasing all those things, but God has restored you because you've seen the power of the gospel, and I love that, because that's real. That's who we are. We're not trying to act like we're perfect and we got it all together. And that's what people need to hear. And let me just tell you this. Maybe you're here and you've been sharing that with somebody for a long time. Don't stop. The biggest mistake we make when sharing the gospel is we stop. We get tired because they said no. And we're like, ooh, no, they said no. Don't stop. Keep going. Persevere. Stay strong in the faith. Anyone can be saved. Last question. How do we live this out? This outward focus, verse 11, I'm just going to do it quickly here. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. Paul says two things. He says preach and believe. At Fox Valley Church we say something like this. We're, we're at our best when we're telling and showing the story of Jesus, right? Well, you could say it that way. Preaching is telling, right? We're, we're, we're using a platform to, to preach and tell the words, their words coming out about the gospel, articulating God's goodness, showing is, is our actions, right? And he says believe, but the reality is our beliefs dictate our actions. Just like every single one of you, I use this analogy every time because it's so good. Every single one of you this morning when you walked in here, you believed that chair was going to hold you. So what would you do? You sat down. You didn't think twice. I didn't see a single person walk in and say, ooh, that's a little suspect. Let me just press that. Real. Not, not a one of you did that. You just were like, boom, there we go. I'm ready to worship, right? Because you believed and you acted. So preach and believe, tell and show. 
the story of Jesus. And one of the ways we do this is through 3D living. We've talked about this several times recently, and I, I hope that you know what that is. It's developing relationships, discovering their story, and discerning next steps. This is a process. It's not, it's not something you, you just check off. It's, it's, it's a way of life. It's saying, I'm going to go about in my life looking outward because I belong to this community of people who live outwardly. It's something we do. And so as I go through Jewel and I see someone, I, I have this outward focus to, to, to discover who they are, to, to learn, that, to develop that relationship. Maybe, maybe you make it a mission to say, every time I go to Jewel or every time I go to Costco, I'm going to find that same checker. And even if they have the longest line, I'm going to go through the line every single time because I want to discover their story. I want to get to know them, right? That's not how our culture works. Our culture, our culture says, I want to do self-checkout. I don't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> right? Like, thank God for masks. Now I have an excuse that I cannot talk to anybody, right? Like, we have to go out of our way to develop these relationships. Telling and showing the story of Jesus. This is not just a catchy slogan we came up with. This is part of God's design for his church, and it runs deep within the family of believers. Let me say it this way. Outward focus is just part of the church. You can't detach them. If you detach it, you're doing it wrong. Right? Like some of you guys have a family tradition at Christmas maybe or something like that. It's part of your family. I'll use, I'll use the family in front of me, the Mannings, because they have a really funny story, that Eileen gets Christmas pajamas for the family every year, like all of them. It's pretty wild. Like, that's a big family to get Christmas pajamas for, okay? But, like, you can't stop now, Eileen, because it's part of your family. Like, it's, it's, it's part of the Manning tradition. It's who you are. You can't separate it. And so if you did, Christmas wouldn't be the same, and Nick would still complain about wearing his Christmas PJs. Like, it wouldn't be the same thing because they exist together because that's how the family is made. And so if you try and detach the gospel, it's not the same family. It's part of who we are. And if Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sins, whether you're aware of this or not, whether it's your best day or your worst day, that gospel's pumping through your veins. And part of the work of the believers, of the community of believers, is to tap into that each and every day. Say, God, I don't feel it today because I want to be sinful today, but would you please move in my life? Would you speak? Would you help me to live this way? It's part of who we are. We can't detach it, just like we can't detach the other, other two focuses. This morning, I hope you see that the new community is made for reaching out. It's literally the, 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 the bedrock of the new community. We can't have church without evangelism, and it's vital to the health of the church. I can say this so confidently, it's not even funny, and I, I would bet dollars to donuts my whole paycheck that if Pastor Tom got up here right now, he would say the exact same thing. Every single church that he has ever seen die, that I have ever seen die, loses mission. They stop looking outward. It's all, it all becomes inward. Literally, and guys, you can, if you want to, you can spend $60,000 on a, on, a, on a college degree that will tell you this, and every single book you will read will say the exact same thing. There's literally bell curves about it. The churches that lose mission always close their door. Not because people stop coming in, because it's part of the design. It's the blood that flows through the veins. And if I, cut out, if I took out your heart, you wouldn't live. It, it's part of who we are. 
as I close, I just want to say one thing. And I think this is really cool. There's about these three things, right? The gospel is so important, this outward focus. Keith, could you put the slide back up for me? Um, we have this, this upward focus, this inward focus, and this outward focus. And I want to say this. I think this is the coolest thing. That there is a synergy about these three things, okay? And what I mean by that is this. If, if we as a church say we are going to focus upward and look at God and his character, let that shape us, by default, we automatically get better at looking inward and looking outward because it's part of who God is, okay? And then if we, if we say, hey, you know what, I'm going to join a life group. I'm going to get connected. I want to focus on the inward part, get, grow as a church. As we do that, we should, because it's part of the design, all of a sudden start focusing upward more, and we should have a heart for going out. And the third thing, if we look outward, if we start focusing on mission and evangelism, all of a sudden our heart for the inward and the upward, they start to grow because that's God's design. They work together. And so I just want to challenge you this morning. Maybe most of your life has been spent thinking about how you want to go inward in your faith. I just want to get really strong and really smart, know all scripture, and be really like the best Christian that could ever exist. Let me just tell you, you're probably missing something. Because you can't have one without the other two. They push each other. They push us into those things. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to invite uh, Pastor Tom and Adam. So, Father God, uh, I just pray that you would really remind us. God, remind us of the value of the gospel. Remind us of, of the truth of your word. Remind us of, of what you've done, that you've made a way where there was no way. And, God, that we will be people that pursue this gospel every single day. And, God, maybe there's someone here that has never placed their faith in you, that, that's maybe heard the gospel for the first time. And God, I just pray that, that you would stir them to come and talk to, to one of the pastors or someone afterwards, that, that you would be prompting their heart. Out of, the Bible tells us that it's by faith, that you are the one that begins that in us, God, that we don't do it of ourselves. It's, it's, it's your spirit nudging us to say it's time. It's time to believe in me and to, 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 to get the forgiveness of your sins and have new life, be raised from death to life. And so, Father, I just pray that you would move this morning. God, will we be a church that is known for our outward focus, that we're like hound dogs pursuing people sometimes because we want them to know the truth, the, the, the first importance of the gospel, that it is the, it's the thing that's going to drive us and move us. We will never relent in that. So God, would you move in our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to invite up Adam and Tom. And uh, you guys can still send in your questions here while we're going to dive in a little bit. Good to see Hey, Tom, you're kind of the odd man out here. What I do? I mean, the hair. Oh. Like, you know. <laughs> well, I'm going in that direction, so just give me another year. And we'll I mean, be you know, we'll just make bald look beautiful over here. All right. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of pose two questions really quickly. Um, and it's to, to both of you, so whoever wants to answer first. Um, what do you want to see God do at Fox Valley Church in the vein of these focuses. So, Tom, you talked about the upward focus the first week. Adam, you talked about the inward focus. Obviously, you're welcome to talk about the outward focus today. Like, what's your hope for Fox Valley in, the, in all of these three veins? Does that make sense? Who wants to go for it? Uh, yeah, go ahead, brother. I, I appreciate what you said. I think they go hand in hand, right? Mm. So I love that, uh, that picture of how one leads to the other. One thing I've always appreciated about Fox Valley and it's been on my heart during this series is a real authenticity, a realness within the community. Uh, I feel like as God's been leading me through this, this series, an authenticity and a 
candid nature and realness between all of us here mm -hmm. and how that can spur us on together toward these things. Yeah. So it brings a unity, like we talked about in that second part. It brings a excitement to learn more about him and grow closer to him. And then obviously from that, it brings a, an outward focus mm -hmm. where we can't help but take that out. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, the, the word authenticity is really, really good. And we often use it like, you know, for us in terms of the body, but we need to be authentic in our worship, mm -hmm. right? People need to see that we come in on some Sundays and it's not all that, is it? Our hearts might be cold. They might be a little distant. And so where, where they start, I love the word synergy, right? They're, they're working together. So you might come in and you're excited, you're tight with the Lord and it's been a good week. And, and I see that and that encourages me in my worship where it might be a little bit cold. And so there, there's these different things. And then uh, just to bring in a, a little bit bigger picture, right? When you, when you see new believers come mm -hmm. and, and they're excited. I love what you're sharing today that it, there's an energy that comes when new believers are here and, and they start talking about what God's teaching them versus, oh, I know that already. I've heard that before. Oh, I know that. I dare you to teach me something new, right? But when you get you new believers, you hear all these things. So I think what excites me at Fox Valley Church is that there's a, a range of people here. Mm -hmm. There's people here uh, that are seeking the Lord. They're wondering. And so when they see authentic worship, they, they're like, something's happening here mm -hmm. then there's new believers here and they bring in energy yeah. and sometimes it's fun to see what god's doing in their lives and then the the growth of the body i, I get encouraged by that people that have persevered all of us know people that have started well mm -hmm. and you're like where are they today right they they went up like a rocket and it came down like a rock mm -hmm. and it's like so i get encouragement by my brothers and sisters that are older uh, than me, and then uh, the just the perseverance and all this. Yeah, that's good. I would just add, like, coupled with what you guys said is this kind of availability, right? Um, and what I mean by that is that anyone has the opportunity to, to ask questions, right? So I think, like, if, if, if there's a newer believer here who's kind of got some questions, and maybe you see someone who's really outwardly expressing their worship of God, and, and you have every right to go up to them and say, hey, can you explain, like, what's your heart? Like, I want to know more, right? <laughs> That's right. And then vice versa. And a lot of times in the church, I think it usually it kind of has this, everyone's, this hierarchy, right? Like, the new believers have to kind of watch everyone and learn. I agree with you. I've honestly, my energy sometimes comes more from the new believers than it does right. the older ones. And so, and that's it why, why it was so important. Uh, what, what you shared today, it was so good when we talk about this explosive in energy mm -hmm. and expansive in power, right? That, that when you see God's work reaching people that have been far, people, uh, you used a number of things, addictions and bad habits or whatever, like, God breaks that power, yeah. and they're here, and it's like, wow, mm -hmm. that gives me hope for my own life. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Adam, I talked a little bit about the synergy between each focus, right? But I want to, I'm curious, and Tom, you're welcome to answer too, how have you seen or how would you like to see that manifested in our community? So like, the synergy, kind of bouncing back and forth, what do you think about that? How would you like to see that? Maybe you, maybe you have an example of how you've seen that done. Yeah, well, I talked about, in that second one, about community and people using their gifts. And what I thought about is the difference in the staff. So 
Pastor Tom knows the Lord really well, which is great, right? He studied. He, he, he helps. Oh, we're tight, man. We're just <laughs> yes. like. I'm winning points up here. No. Uh, Pastor Tom encourages me with that upward focus, right? Because his theology goes deeper than mine. He studied things. So in our meetings and times together, he really helps me grow in my appreciation for who God is. But then I think of Brad. Brad is very outward focused. Brad shares the gospel regularly. He challenges me in that outward focused piece. All of us are gifted in these different ways, and it's neat to see as you, we use our gifts, yeah. the way that syndry comes together. And I think about that as a staff, and I think of how neat that could be as a community, as we're all using our gifts and encouraging one another to grow in these different areas and just grow in maturity yeah. together, building each other up. Yeah. I, th- I actually thought about this last week after I left. I was in the car. Literally, I was at the stoplight, Randall and, Hunt- and Huntley, and I was about to make a left, and I thought about something you said. And... You know, we've been kind of harping, I don't want to call it harping, but for a long time we've been really challenging people to regather, to come back to church. And the reason why is not so we can just say, oh, look at our churches back together. The reason is because really, like, we can't do church, I would say, well in the way we're used to if, if our body's not here, right? Like, we need each other to come back and to, to be in the physical presence of one another because, like you're saying, whether it's using gifts or even just we can't really upwardly focus in worship, mm-hmm. it's... I mean, it was really cool. I have to tell you the story. The, it was like the, my first Sunday back during COVID, and there were literally eight people in this room, right? Uh, and I was the only one in this area. Everyone else was in the back or on stage. And I remember worshiping for the first time in a physical place for like a month and a half after being away. And it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And then it's just progressively gotten more powerful as people have come coming back more and more because that's what we're designed to do, right? We're supposed, it, we push each other on. So I don't know. I just thought that was really encouraging. Um, we had a couple questions come in. I want to pose this one, and maybe we'll have time for one more. Uh, how does the new community at Fox Valley Church meet and serve those dealing with hurt and pain that is generally considered socially unacceptable? So, like, infidelity, uh, porn addiction, illegal activity, that kind of stuff. Like, really kind of taboo, if you will. How do we, how have, what's maybe the hopes, and what is something maybe you've seen of how we go about, as a community, navigating these difficult um, situations? <laughs> he's the best. wise one he's the one in touch with god so you know <laughs> you both look this way well i mean i i would i read the question but i would just say i, I don't want to dive into the bunch a bunch of things but i've seen firsthand at fox valley church people come together and adam touched on this last week right it's about accountability it's about authenticity um and humility of of a being able to confess and b being able to receive that and hear someone confess that and not like just lash out at them, right, to hear it and say, my brother or sister just confessed something painful. Like, they need me to be here with them, not to slap them across the face. Um, and I would say that is, that, for the record, I'm not, I'm the newbie here at, at, on this panel as far as being here at Fox Valley, and no one's paying me to say this, but in my experience at Fox Valley, that is the heart of the leadership, the heart of, of the pastoral council, the heart of, I would say, the community. So, I don't really know how to say this except for if you felt something different at Fox Valley, I don't know that you truly felt it. Maybe you decided just to put your walls up and not seek <laughs> the counsel of those things. Because really, every time I've ever gone into Tom's office and said, hey, I'm struggling with this, not once has he said, you're on break. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be here. He's always said, 
let's pray. Let's talk about this. And I've met with Adam before about this too, and it's the same thing. Like, we want to help spur each other on. So that was my first reaction to this question is there's definitely a heart for it here. I don't know about the processes if you guys want to talk about that, but there is a heart at Fox Valley Church. I think that, that uh, over the years we've done different things, but certainly a big part of our life group ministry, our small group ministry, is the art of sharing your hearts, being authentic mm-hmm. uh, with privacy or confidentiality. What happens in a group stays yeah. in a group. Amen. And it's really, really important that these groups are a safe place for people to navigate. Yeah. Uh, we have a forged for the men that have struggled with some addiction, mostly sexual addiction there, where they can start dealing with their stuff. Uh, we also partner with a legal ministry that when things really go sideways and some people need help uh, legally because of some decisions that have been made, etc. Uh, so I think we have the resources mm-hmm. around. I think the danger is that we don't get stuff in the light. Yeah. We try to carry our burdens alone. We try to make life work on our terms without bringing people in. And then that's when the enemy gets in and destroys. Mm -hmm. So the old picture, right? A log, when it's in a fire, it's burning bright with all the other logs. You pull that log out and set it by the side, it's going to go out. Mm -hmm. And believers do that. And they can do it even while they're in a church. And they do it in a church by not being authentic, by not being real with a few people. You never hear us talk about it on stage, all the stuff of someone else's life. That's your business between you and the Lord. And hopefully a couple, if you're a woman, trusted women, if you're a man with some trusted men, uh, where you can process these things. So I think that that's probably the main place. Also, let me just say this. We have a prayer team up here every mm-hmm. Sunday. Those people hold everything in confidence. But prayer powerful mm-hmm. and it changes things so i think taking advantage of prayer is yeah. huge yeah that's good and i just want to add quick to your point again don't forget the devil wants to isolate you yeah mm-hmm. he wants to isolate you and there's something special about community when we work together not to allow that to happen mm-hmm. together and that takes authenticity <clears throat> confessing sin to one another getting vulnerable as you mentioned mm-hmm. there's protection there within the community yeah i mean we see that right jesus was in the wilderness by himself who comes along the devil, you know what I mean? That's just mm. crazy. So, well, we're out of time. I want to pray for us mm. and then we'll close this out. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for your questions. Uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you that uh, you have designed the community of believers. God, this, this new community that's made up of people from every creed and every nation, God, I just, I just cannot wait to get to heaven one day and just totally my mind be overwhelmed with the, the incredible diversity that's gonna be there. Lord, and you made that happen by, the, by your son dying on the cross for us. And Father, I just pray that at Fox Valley Church, we never lose sight of these three things. God, the, the, the upward focus, that we would glorify you with everything that we say and do. Every Sunday that we would come in and truly want to encounter you. Not just show up and expect the same old thing, but that the, the God of, of this world is going to show up today and speak in a mighty way. And God, that we would be people that are challenged to go deeper together, that we would spur one another on. God, that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and we would, we would find this accountability, maybe in a life group, and maybe even in a smaller group within that, of a couple people that we can be real 
real and honest and accountable with. And God, that you would spur on our faith. And Lord, that as a church, we'd just be so passionate about 3D living and telling and showing the story of Jesus everywhere we go. Would people know that that Fox Valley Church, they love to talk about the gospel. Lord, I, I pray that so much. And God, would you just help us? Because we want to do all these three things well. We want to truly be the community that you designed. God, would you remove any pretense of how we feel it should look? And would you breathe the life of how you've designed it to be into Fox Valley Church? And so God, we ask all these things in your name. Would you help us as we go this week to live these things out? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us. If you need prayer, the prayer team will be up front. As you go, remember that Jesus changes everything.